The Giants officially introduced Jung-Hoo Lee today in the flesh, in person. It's the first time they've done this in so long. They were going to do it with Carlos Correa last year, and of course we know what happened. And regarding the introductory press conference, if Jung-Hoo Lee's performance on the field is anything like the charisma and character and uh, energy he brought to this press conference, then the Giants have a really good player on their hands. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide episodes actually three days a week for now, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I have been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube and anywhere else that podcasts are available. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started and more about that later. But first, I want to discuss just what we saw with the Giants introducing Jung-Hoo Lee today uh, in person with, you know, an actual press conference, which was really nice to see. Alex Pavlovich noting that it was the first time since they introduced Evan Longoria. Um, and so that that predates Farhan Zaidi. And that this is something I have talked about a few times, which is that even with the signings that they've made, uh, even, you know, none of them have been, I don't know if there's a certain threshold, like $100 million or what, that they'll have an in-person press conference, but it's like they cheaped out on the process with everybody they signed since Farhan, and it's not Zaidi's idea, I'm sure. It's more of a team-wide decision, but everybody they've signed, you know, Carlos Rodon included, you know, some big names perhaps mixed in. It's been like virtual and not something that fans could watch and and just some it's just much better to do it in person. So finally, I mean, they were obviously going to do it in person with Carlos Correa last year. And that was the whole thing is that the press conference was postponed uh, shortly before it started. But this one was not postponed. He passed his physical. We discussed this on the show yesterday and. Basically, I just want to say, like, his personality, I knew that he was like a like a funny and charming and charismatic guy, but um, he kind of just blew people away, I think, with this introductory pr- press conference. And, you know, I said if his performance is anything like what he showed personality-wise, but of course, that's not necessarily going to be the case. But what I, what I really liked, um, one of the things I really liked personality-wise was that he's confident. Like, he's not... He didn't seem intimidated by the moment, by the stage at all. And just a, a a confidence, but not like a cockiness. And that that really jives with like the the culture of the San Francisco Giants that they've had for a long time. And especially when they had their winningest ways. It wasn't ever like, 
you know, anybody having a me first mentality. It was, I don't know. And there were a lot of fun players and it's been a while since the Giants have had, like people have called this team and rightfully so boring for the last couple of years. And I think that they have kind of, I was discussing it in 2022 um, that they just, you know, you know, Gabe Kapler's whole, he kept saying like, we never want to be too high or too low. Well, I always kind of countered that and said, go ahead and get excited. Like this is an entertainment business. If you just want to be even keel all the time, that's not exactly fun to watch. I want to see um, people get fired up and including getting too low. If that means like, you know, Gabe Kapler ejections, right? People got upset about that. The fact that he almost never got ejected. I think he ended up uh two or three times in his whole tenure here getting ejected. And it took him a couple years to get ejected at all. And, you know, that kind of emotion um, from a manager and then from a player, sometimes you want to see them get angry or sometimes you just want to see them have fun. And that's part of what 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 comes with youth. And that's part of the beauty of Jung-Hoo Lee, not just from a baseball perspective and, and an aging curve perspective, but also just from an energy perspective. And I think we saw that in 2023 with the debuts of so many young players that they energized the team, a team that was kind of in desperate need of being energized. And so I think Jung-Hoo Lee, like to, to, to kind of get a, 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 an international player like this, a, like a player who was a star in Korea, um, brings some some sizzle and some intrigue to the San Francisco Giants that they have been sorely lacking. And so, I mean, he he gave like a one minute, uh, maybe not a minute, but several sentence introduction of himself in English, which was very impressive. And clearly, clearly it's not like he's not fluent in English at all. But yet he went out there, like I said, kind of fearless and just and and kind of nailed it. Um, speaking in English and saying like "Go Giants" and and having a smile, and then he later like when he put on the jersey and the hat, he jokingly was like handsome, handsome, uh, with a you know sly grin. Um, and so he was funny, he was confident, he was charming, he was just endearing, and the Giants fans always rally around personalities like that you know personalities that are fun and um non-selfish and and just unique and whatever and so i think that people who watched this or watched clips of it later probably i'm, I'm seeing a lot of reaction where people basically instantly fell in love with jung hu lee and so that all goes that's all before he takes that bat you know we'll see what happens if he struggles mightily in the first three months of the season you know the tone definitely changes and so the performance on the field matters and it's going to be a while before we see it worth pointing out that uh ha sung kim the last great korean player like he was so good in korea i also by the way was beating the drum of the giants should be interested in ha sung kim and he ended up getting a very modest deal from the padres um, he really struggled in his first season here in the U.S. and and you know the competition level is much greater in MLB than it is in the KBO and um, but under Bob Melvin, Ha Sung Kim largely 
credited with um, the fact that Bob Melvin just let him play every day as opposed to platooning him so much. Uh, and and Kim kind of broke out. And a lot of that had to do with Kim's defensive ability because he added so much value on the field that it like it was worth playing him every day because he was such an impact defender. So even if he wasn't great against right-handed pitching, so I don't totally think they're like reinventing the wheel about platoons. Bob Melvin does understand when guys need to be platooned. But anyway, Hassan Kim, he really struggled in his first year offensively, but then he did turn it around the last couple of years. And combined with, you know, being an above average bat and then impact defense and base running, he's just became one of, he he just became one of the better players in the league last year. And so Actually, it's a perfect segue into the next topic, which we're going to get to some mailbag questions. And the first set of questions, well, actually, no, the se- it's going to be second. The second set of questions are about Hassan Kim and if the Giants should try to trade for him or if they should just wait until the offseason maybe and try to sign him. But first, the latest on Yoshinobu Yamamoto. This is the, the big topic on everyone's mind, and so we will get into it. This is the Japanese ace, uh, probably going to maybe going to command the largest pitcher uh, contract in MLB history, even though he's never thrown a pitch in the major league. So we'll get into the latest there and are the Giants in the mix uh, in just a minute. And before we do, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, and it's certainly been so here in the Bay Area, The NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. And the last I checked, which was actually a couple days ago, the 49ers were favorites at minus 1,000 for the money line here. So just enormous, heavy, heavy, doesn't even describe it, favorites in their upcoming game uh, at Arizona. And if you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and place a $5 money line bet, and if the 49ers win, you get 150 in bonus bets. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's just no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use as you would, as you would expect. You can bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, as promised, we're going to get to mailbag questions. I just did definitely want to discuss the introduction of Jung-Hoo Lee. Hopefully it is not the last press conference the Giants hold this uh, offseason. They did hold one for Bob Melvin, to be fair, um, the introduction of Bob Melvin. But, I mean, if they didn't do that, then what are we even doing here? But from a player perspective, it used to be they would hold press conferences and introduce like even their lower-level signings, like, I don't know, Denard Spann or someone like that. But this is literally the first time they've introduced a player like this since Evan Longoria was acquired in a trade before the 2018 uh yeah the 2018 season so it was maybe in like early early 2018 so we're talking almost six years ago my goodness anyway thanks again for making lockdown giants your first listen every day and i joke shamefully or your last listen every day my house 
I'm living in a construction zone, and so it's not always possible to record during the day. And so a lot of these episodes come out at night. Um, and by the way, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day. With the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league, go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. So, getting to your mailbag questions, I've got about seven here, and I there were a couple more even that I didn't add because they were just repeating some of the same questions about Yoshinobu Yamamoto, the next like the top player still available in free agency and really the probably the second best player available after Shohei Otani. And so this guy is in high demand. You've got all these big market teams after him, including the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Giants, and, you know, the Phillies, the Toronto Blue Jays, to varying degrees of big market. But when I say Yankees, Mets, Dodgers, Giants, like this is rare where you where you get that kind of interest level among these teams with deep pockets. And yes, the Giants do have deep pockets. Um, It's just a matter of if they're wanting to flex that muscle and they're really going to have to do so in order to like outbid these other teams. And if you have a comparable offer from LA, for example, um, why not choose LA? That's been an issue. Like you have to kind of outbid people and here, This might be a case where a team like the Dodgers just refuses to get outbid or even the Mets, you know, so there's a lot of competition. So basically getting to the questions, Ty says, what is your feeling about the likelihood that the Giants land Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Bay Area champ? What do you think or what would be your pivot moves uh, if Yamamoto goes somewhere else? And then uh, M. Triolo says, when do you think Yamamoto will sign? And so, yeah, several other questions related to Yamamoto and like, what do the Giants do next, basically? So just those three kind of hit on three different questions. So I'm going to say my feeling about the likelihood that the Giants land Yamamoto is that they're in the mix. And I think it I think we've heard that it's down to like seven teams and it started out probably with close to almost every team in in the game interested in him. And then this. That those were like in-person calls the week before the, or excuse me, Zoom calls the week before the winter meetings. And then this week has been in-person meetings with a group of finalists. So we know that the Giants met with him on Sunday per a report. And so, you know, you're in that mix. And if it's, if it truly is a final seven, you know, I'd put their odds at, at, at least as one in seven, you know, and uh, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into like all this. If you, one of the mailbag questions we have is about the the poor reporting that there has been on a national level this off season, and I I kind of just agree. And the thing about the Giants is they're not out there blabbering to anybody, and so we didn't really hear much about anything going on between them and Jung Hoo Lee until there was just like. Jung Hoo Lee to the Giants. You know, there's speculation, but it wasn't like, you know, there was all this talk about other teams as well. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, he's he's signing with the Giants. And the same was true with Carlos Correa last year. 
Um, and with Judge, it was all kind of speculation as well. It wasn't, I mean, it, people like knew what was going on, but, you know, all the talk coming out of this like New York based media was like, about the Yankees and about would Steve Cohen get in there and and bid. So I just I think the Giants are just very quiet and they don't leak a lot of information. And so just because you're hearing some of these some of the questions about Yamamoto are like I keep hearing that he's choosing between New York and L.A. But I, I think that that isn't necessarily true. And that's just because the media only has information on some of those teams and not that necessarily on teams like the Giants and so the likelihood the competition is fierce but I think the Giants are in it and so I'd give them pretty much as good of a chance as anybody else especially if they really want this guy because they have the financial wherewithal to push hard and like try to outbid everybody and it's the same case as Jung-Hoo Lee um, but even to a greater extent perhaps because he's so unique and that he's young he's 25 years old and so like it might take just going out there and giving this guy 350 plus million dollars and and maybe just saying to heck with it it's worth doing all of a sudden we've landed two 25 year old potential stars and when you're 25 years old we're talking you're you're in your prime for a lot of years it's very different than signing someone who's already 30 or 31 for eight years or something, you know, then you're buying maybe a couple prime-ish years, but then the decline. So for Yamamoto being 25, yeah, it's a different equation. And so anyway, what was the next question? What would your pivot moves be if Yamamoto goes somewhere else? And when do I think he'll sign? So I would expect that Yamamoto, I would expect probably by it could be any day really, but probably by the end of next week, probably before Christmas, I would say. Uh, and Christmas is not this upcoming Monday, of course, but the Monday after that. And so within about a week, I would expect that Yamamoto has made a decision. And if he does not sign with the Giants, what would my pivot moves be? Um, and that kind of brings us to some of the other questions more specifically. Liam says, if the Dodgers get Yamamoto, um, or no, Joe said, hearing about New York and L.A., and if we do miss on him, how do you feel about Snell? Do you think he's up for uh, set up for regression? Liam says, if the Dodgers get Yamamoto, do the Giants need to counter with Snell or Bellinger? I feel like they're better off spending money on names like Soler, Duvall, and Stroman than copying the Dodgers, Glasnow move, and extending a pitcher after a trade. Um. And then SF Giants headline says, what's a smarter decision, signing Snell and Bellinger or getting Yamamoto and a decent player? So I would never want to have to make a decision between something like that. But if I had to, I think that, uh, I mean, I guess it's tough when you break it down, but I'm still going Yamamoto and a decent player because of the age factor. As much as Blake Snell is talented and he just won his second Cy Young Award and you know, Cody Bellinger has a lot of upside, but there's also some potential downside there when you look at the two pre uh, seasons prior to this one and that some of the underlying metrics this year don't support the the overlying metrics this year for Bellinger. I'm, I'm banking on the 25-year-old. Like, I'm going all in on the 25-year-old potential ace uh, and taking my chances with the rest of the roster, like – 
It's just you don't get that opportunity very often. And so anyway, regarding how do I feel about Snell as a fallback option? Well, I mean, I like Blake Snell. I think that I I I think that he becomes an attractive option if you miss out on Yamamoto. It does depend on the cost. He is already he just turned 31 uh a few days ago. And so uh, I just wouldn't want to give him like a six year or more contract. And there's been some talk that maybe he's a guy who ends up getting like a three year deal with a really high average annual value or something. And, and maybe that makes more sense for the giants, maybe a four year deal, uh, something like that. But there's just, there are red flags. The walk rate is super high. Uh, I think it was maybe the highest in baseball yet. He just didn't allow runs to score. So, he's a good pitcher he's a very electric pitcher uh and has had a couple of really good seasons he played for bob melvin last year he won the national league cy young award so imagine if you signed snell you would literally have the number one and the number two finishers in the national league cy young award from 2023 so uh he's definitely not nobody right like but it just depends we've seen i've seen a huge range of kind of contract predictions for blake snell but on a shorter term deal like five years at the most but preferably like four or something or three even then he becomes i think an attractive fallback option and then there is i think he is Yamamoto's in a tier by himself and then Snell's in a tier by himself to me and then it drops down to like this other tier where there's Jordan Montgomery and there's um, another pitcher from Japan Shoto Imanaga Shota Imanaga I'm forgetting his name Uh, Marcus Stroman is out there so there's there's still like a lot of solid starting pitching and so you could pivot that way and then there's the trade market and so I kind of disagree with um Liam's point like I don't personally think Solaire or Duval are really fits at all for the Giants um defensively they they're just flawed well Duval's not flawed defensively but Duval uh he's just not that valuable of a player I th- there's Giants fans to this day who like act as if Duval is like some stud but there's a reason he keeps getting like one year contracts uh, he's not that good and so and also they don't need more kind of corner outfield guys and I think at this stage do, without checking up to the minute kind of what's his defense been like in the last year or two uh, Duvall is get, he's gotten pretty old and and Solaire is like a DH and so uh, they're already kind of crowded in terms of corner outfield and then that kind of bleeds over into DH and they've got Flores who where do where does he play if not DH and if it's first then what about Lamont Wade and then if he okay Wade moves to a corner so they're already kind of flooded with with corner bats um you could trade some some guys and that came up at the press conference and Zaidi did mention it was a possibility but then there to me there are more intriguing names out there when if you start talking about uh corner outfield pieces like you start looking at a randy or rosarena and you look at um i don't know some other names and in terms of copying the dodgers like a corbin burns 
sign or trade for and extend makes a lot of sense given that he grew up a big Giants fan and this is Corbin Burns. And so uh, the fact that he's a rental player, it wouldn't be like an overwhelming cost per se. And you could do the exact same thing the Dodgers did. Say the trade is contingent on him signing an extension and then sign him to an extension. So we'll see. And we'll answer more of your questions, including should the Giants trade for Ha-Sung Kim? Because Farhan Zaidi has said they're more likely to trade for a position player. And I think that that makes a lot of sense, given that the market has good pitching. And the Giants could simply spend money instead of players on pitching. And so, you know, a pivot to Snell or Montgomery or... uh Imanaga or whoever makes a lot of sense when you could just pay cash. But the position player side, it's much weaker of a class. So does Hassan Kim make sense for the Giants in a trade? We'll get into it in just a minute and before we do. All right, as promised, uh, more questions and answers. Uh, just getting right into it. Uh, Yoki says, with Jung-Hoo Lee... In the fold, would you like the Giants to be aggressive and trade for Ha-Sung Kim to corner the South Korean market, or should they wait for him next year as a free agent? Thanks for the content. You're welcome. Uh, a guy called Ed says, would the Padres trade Ha-Sung Kim to the Giants if we absorb a bigger contract? Let's say we absorb Yu Darvish's contract. Uh, move could help Lee and potentially Yamamoto transitions. I like the way you're thinking. So they're 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 getting uh, they're trading for Hassan Kim. They're getting Yu Darvish in the trade, and they're getting Yamamoto. They're signing Yamamoto as well. That would be, I mean that would be awesome. Uh, but it's true that absorbing Yu Darvish's contract would not necessarily be a good thing. And I think that that becomes like a like a significant overpay when we're talking about one year of Hassan Kim. It is one year, eight million for Hassan Kim. It is a nice bargain. He is a good player, um, but for Darvish, Darvish is owed. Uh, it, it, he signed a six year extension, which already looks kind of bad. I think uh, so. He's he's got five years left on this extension. Basically, the average annual value is not that high at 18 million, but he's already the crazy thing is that this guy's already 37 years old. He's going to turn 38 in August and he's signed for five seasons. That's crazy. Am I reading? No, yes, five seasons. Uh, so I would not touch that you Darvish contract. I don't, I don't, I didn't get that at the time and I don't get it now. And he did, in fact, regress last year the year after they gave him that extension. So I, I think that'd be way too much to absorb that contract, but there are potentially some others you could take on like, um, I don't know. The Jake Cronenworth contract also looks a little crazy. I think just more realistically, could you just trade for Hassan Kim, give up something that the Padres need uh, maybe some young pitching, which is what they targeted when they traded Juan Soto. So it it does make a lot of sense. He there is a mutual option at eight million dollars for twenty twenty five, and so the only way that gets exercised by the player is if he has a bad year or has a serious injury, because he's worth way more than eight million dollars right now based on the performance he's put together the last couple of years. But the Padres are in a weird spot and they're trading guys away and they're cutting payroll. And, you know, Hassan Kim is 
they're looking at him potentially walking away after one more season. And so do they try to kind of replenish the farm system and or, you know, like target pitching instead? And maybe you could kick back a infielder of some kind in a trade to them. But I'm not sure that they want to move him, but I would think that they would be open to listening but it could just make sense for the Giants to wait and I feel like they would have an advantage if they really wanted him and and his you know what we've heard best friend in Jung-Hoo Lee is playing for the Giants I think that significantly increases the odds of the Giants being able to get the guy and I just I think Hassan Kim makes so much sense for the Giants right now and in the future, potentially. Uh, it does depend. Does Marco Luciano have a breakout season for the Giants? Like Hassan Kim is versatile enough where he can play short well. He can play second extremely well. He can play third. Uh, he could obviously play first, I think, as well. But being able to play third, short, and second at such a high level uh is something the Giants could really use. And this is where there's there's other mailbag questions like, have you heard anything about who the Giants are targeting as that kind of shortstop insurance for Marco Luciano? And I think eventually they get somebody and there's like Hassan Kim is on the short list of the players I think would be the most impactful guys they could realistically get. Uh, it it wouldn't come cheaply because he did he has had kind of a monster breakout largely again defense based um, in addition to being just solid with the bat and especially against lefties with the bat but yeah reuniting him with Melvin reuniting him with his friend Jung Hoo Lee makes a lot of sense Tommy Edmond another guy I've always liked as a versatile guy who could play shortstop if needed like if Marco Luciano doesn't hit or struggles you know they they have to have some kind of plan and Hassan Kim is a good one so uh but would the Padres trade him and would they trade him within the division that's a legitimate question the next question is from Evan who says who's the odd man out in the outfield who do you think is the likeliest to get moved? I personally think they want to keep Slater just for platoon reasons, but maybe the new coaching staff isn't interested in that. What are your thoughts? So this is where I say Bob Melvin, is he he gets platoons. They platooned a lot in Oakland. They platooned in San Diego. Like Trent Grisham was part of a platoon with somebody else you know like certain players just are platoon players based on their long track records and Slater's one of the best in the league at, at being the you know a lefty masher basically and so I don't view Yastrzemski or Slater as odd men out here I think that they form one of the better platoons in baseball and yes they are still going to platoon at some positions and why it be, because it be, because it's good production they get they get a lot of production out of a, a combination of Slater and Yastrzemski if they're able to get matchups on a consistent basis I think it's more you're looking at the Michael Confortos and Mitch Hanegers of the world uh as there are some teams that need outfield help and you look at the Seattle Mariners and and they need some outfield help and could Mitch Haniger being sent back to Seattle make some sense maybe you have to take on some of the money there but it would open up a spot you know or give yeah i mean because then 
right now it's crowded, like I said, and it's crowded and it even bleeds into the DH position. And so um, I think the odd man out, first of all, guys like Luis Matos do have minor league options. And so it's easy to say like, oh, he's the odd man out. But that's because he has options. He can be sent to the minors. Keep in mind, in a baseball season, people get hurt all the time, especially when you're talking about guys like Mitch Haniger, Michael Conforto, and even Yastrzemski missed a lot of time. Slater has missed time. And so to say, oh, Luis Matos to the minors, it baseball is such a long season and people get hurt and guys get opportunities. And so, but for me currently, if I had to like call out an odd man out for the outfield, it's probably, probably, I mean, Conforto might be the easiest to trade, but he's also one of their potentially bigger bats and so perhaps it's uh mitch hanniger given just the difficulties that he had last year the age he's not getting any younger he's already 33 and or he's going to be 33 in a week um so yeah i look at those guys anyway that is all the time we have for today thanks again for making lockdown giants your first listen every day every dayers uh coming up next week we're going to continue uh, do running through mailbag questions. And of course, any Giants news that comes up, we'll be there to cover it. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on X at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like the show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out so much. So thanks in advance and thank you to everyone who's done so already. Have a great weekend. Can't wait to be with you again three times next week. Uh, thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.